July 1937, the world's most famous woman pilot disappears during her attempt to circumnavigate the globe. In 1988, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, a small nonprofit known by its acronym TIGER, began a science-based investigation of the Earhart disappearance. Decades of forensic research and a dozen South Pacific expeditions have now produced hard evidence from multiple disciplines to provide the long-sought answer to the riddle. In this series of conversations with Joan Sachs, Tiger Executive Director Rick Gillespie takes us step-by-step step through the adventures, the setbacks, and the discoveries that uncover the evidence that has solved aviation history's greatest mystery. Hi, I'm Joan Sachs. Like many of you, I've read newspaper and magazine articles, and I've watched television documentaries about Tiger's adventures and discoveries. As a member of Tiger, I've participated in research, and I know there is so much more to the story that has never been told. I've known Rick Gillespie and his wife, Tiger co-founder Pat Thrasher, for many years. So when Rick asked me to help him bring the behind-the-scenes story of Tiger's Earhart expeditions to the public in a series of podcast episodes, I enthusiastically agreed. Over the years, there have been 12 Tiger expeditions to the South Pacific, and we've organized the podcast into seasons. To follow the progress of the investigation, you'll want to listen to the episodes and seasons in order. For newcomers, we make it easy to catch up with the story so far by publishing a compilation at the end of each season. Now let's get to the next episode. Hi, Rick. In our last episode, you took us through the story of the groundless million-dollar lawsuit that followed your 2012 expedition and how you were ultimately able to get that case dismissed. But that was all going on while you were trying to put together another expedition. That must have been really complicated. Yeah, complicated is right. So at the end of the 2012 expedition, it looked like the underwater search had been a complete bust. We hadn't found anything. Mm. And, you know, huge ship, all this technology, the AUV, the ROV. We published an extensive report of the expedition in the February 2013 issue of Tiger Tracks, our journal. Mm-hmm. And we included some of the sonar mapping images in our report. And one of our members <laughs> spotted an anomaly in one of the maps, you know, something that just didn't look right. It was different. Oh, it, it's something that looked like a trail or maybe a scar on the underwater reef slope that ended in an object that cast a shadow. Now, this is not a photograph. This is a sonar return. Right. So the shadow is a sound shadow. So something was sticking up off the bottom enough to create a shadow behind it when the, the sonar ping bounced off it. Oh, right. Well, when we zoomed in and scaled the image, the object was the shape and length of a Lockheed Electra fuselage. Wow, really? <laughs> well, whoa, wait a minute. Now, the the contractor we'd used, Phoenix, had not identified this thing as a target. I mean, it's right there in your face in the in, in the deliverables that they gave us, the maps they gave us. But they hadn't said, no, you had to go look at this. The, 
they made no mention of us. So and was it obvious once you saw it? Or well, once it was, it was, a, it was obviously an anomaly. I mean, right. you could just look at it and say, look, there's nothing else like this anywhere around this thing. Huh. And when we go in and scale it, it's like, wait a minute, this is, well, what's going on? And well, why didn't we see it with the ROV? So we uh, mapped the ROV tracks, the what they call the, the snail trails oh. <laughs> of, of where the ROV went. And we had never come anywhere near it with the ROV. Oh. So, shoot, I mean, was the Electra sitting right there and we had somehow just missed it? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So we're all good. You know, we're, we're back home. <laughs> <laughs> you can't <laughs> go can check. Go. And we, we of course, talked about this. And this is really interesting. And any time we talk about something, the media picks it up and <laughs> the word gets out. Well, that brought an offer of help from a company in Honolulu. They make seafloor mapping software and they provide consulting for data processing for seafloor mapping projects. And they also do scientific analysis and interpretation of sonar data. Wow. So, had had well, you heard of them before? No, I'd, I'd never heard of them before. Oh, but so it was that's... just what we needed. Yes, really. We need somebody who knows what they're looking at to look at this thing and tell us if it's anything to get excited about. So we sent them the raw sonar data that we'd had delivered from Phoenix and asked them for their opinion about the anomaly. Well, the first thing they discovered <laughs> was that the data we sent them were in, incomplete. Really? This Now, normally a sonar device sends out pings at a rate that matches the speed the device is traveling through the water. So the returns or echoes give you a complete sound picture of the area that's been scanned. But in this case, there were a lot of what they called dropped pings. It, it wasn't pinging at a at the right rate. Oh. So there were gaps in the returns. And so the picture was spotty. It's kind of like having a series of photos taken a couple of seconds apart versus having a continuous movie of something. Oh. Huh. You've got little missing moments. Hmm. What Phoenix, or sonar contractor, had delivered to us, it turns out, were mosaics of the raw data that were kind of smooshed together to gloss over the missing pings. Oh, so were they really gone, or did they just not send you the complete data? Well, they they took out the pieces that they didn't have data for. Oh. And they just put the data they did have together to look like it was all one picture. So they knew it was a mistake. Oh, oh they knew. Wow. Well, once the consultants analyzed the original data... The anomaly we're looking at looked even more like it might be the Electra. Wow. We had to get back out there and check this out. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Oh, gosh. Well, all right. So what are we going to do this time? Well, what we wanted to do was use the two manned submersibles, the University of Hawaii's ship, KOK, that we'd used in 2012, was designed to carry... And yeah. that we'd always wanted to use. We wanted to get brains and eyeballs down there under the water to look at that reef. But we hadn't been able to do it in 2012 because the subs weren't available. Right. And so That's we had right. to use this other technology. But the subs were available now. 
so yeah, we wanted to use those, but that would mean another very expensive expedition mm. with KOK and going down from Honolulu. So we're going to have to really stir things up again and see if we can generate the kind of uh, attention that we got last time. So in March of 2014, we had a big press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Hmm. to, in hopes of generating media coverage. I mean, we had people from the University of Hawaii there, from their undersea research laboratory, ah. and... Um, underwater archaeologists and we we had a a decent turnout at the at the press conference and we got some some press but not a lot we were hoping it would generate a lot of sponsorship but it didn't mm. and on, honestly looking back on it i mean so we had just completed a two million dollar expedition that came back empty-handed <laughs> The economy was slow at that time in the uh, spring of 2014, and we're still fighting the lawsuit. Right. So, you know, hmm. people aren't lining up with their checkbooks. <laughs> but you know, was the lawsuit a really public thing? Did, no, it did... wasn't. It wasn't a public thing. But our members knew about it. Yeah, and our members yeah. are our biggest supporters. Right, and they knew we were right. But yeah, there was a lot going on. And another multi-million dollar expedition was not in the yeah. cards. Uh, but as I've said before, you know, expeditions are like politics. They're the art of the possible. <laughs> we knew where the anomaly was. You know, we, we've got a good location on it. And all we really needed was an ROV that could go to where it was. And that was 187 meters down at 613 feet. And mm. take pictures of it. That's all we need to do. Maybe it's the electric. Maybe it's not. We know where it is. We just need an ROV that can do that. And for that, you don't need the big honking ROV that we had aboard KOK. We could use the same kind of small ROV we had used in 2010 and that could be deployed off Naya. Ah, uh, right. Our our. Old friend, the Naya, yes. the, the ship that we've used so many times. Mm. So, okay, this uh, this makes sense. We and it's can, a completely different kind of expedition. Yeah, we, we set our sights on a 24-day expedition in June of 2015. Hmm. So that gave us about a year to raise about $500,000. Uh, That's still a lot of money, but yes, it's not but, $2 million. Yes, but yeah. it is. So, okay. <laughs> Okay. In addition to the ROV, we'll have a four-person dive team to make yet another search of the Northwest Reef in the relatively shallow water close to the reef edge. We've got Naya. They can support divers. We've got divers. We may as well get in there. Oh, good. And good that area had been looked at many times before, both by our divers and by marine biologists with the New England Aquarium. Right. But this time we planned a, a really disciplined grid search of the reef slope west of, of where the Bevington photo of the landing gear indicated the Electra had gone into the ocean. Ah. That was one of the interesting things about this anomaly we wanted to look at is it was in the right spot. Oh, wow. If, okay, you make this assumption, the airplane lands on the reef, it goes into the water near where it left the landing gear behind, and there it 
ends up down on the first ledge at the base of a cliff, and that's where the anomaly is. It all, wow. seemed, all seemed to fit. It does. So let's put more divers in the water to see if we can find maybe pieces of that landing gear that were dislodged or other debris. So we're going to do that. And since we're going to be there anyway, we may as well do some more searching on the island. Hmm. We've got room for enough people. Let's uh, let's do some more searching on the island, but but where? Right. Well, what was your goal going to be for you? Got to well, you you got to figure out what, what makes sense. Well, that question became a matter of great debate among the members of our board of directors. Yeah, it it might be easy for people to get the impression that Rick Gillespie just decides what everybody's going to do, but that's not <laughs> the way it works. Hmm. You know, I serve at the pleasure of a board of directors, and we have to agree on things. Hmm. So everybody is starting to look into what makes sense for us to do. All right, so the 2010 wholesale excavation of the seven site. We were there. Remember, we right. went into the seven site and we just tore the place apart. That's the castaway campsite right. where the partial skeleton was found in 1940. We did a huge excavation there in 2010. And we found many artifacts that suggest the presence of an American woman of the mid-1930s. Great stuff. But, of course, none of it had Amelia Earhart's name on it. Right. Know. So... You know, it's great circumstantial evidence, but it's it's not proof. But they were great supporting finds that support our hypothesis. Yeah, I, that's true. Now, satellite photos confirm that in the five years since we've been there, this scavola, this horribly dense underbrush stuff mm. that grows up there, had reclaimed the area we'd cleared in 2010. Oh, gosh, so tenacious. If we go back to the seventh site, we'd be starting from scratch just to reopen the area we'd already searched. Any expansion of the excavation would mean clearing the edges of the site where we had piled the cut vegetation oh, back no. in 2010. <laughs> so we'd have you've got all this old, now hardened down stuff piled oh. on top of the vegetation. That, well, okay, but expanding that excavation might well produce more finds. Hmm. But what more might there be that could be proven to belong to Earhart? The, the, the evidence we did have the, from the work we'd done, we had burnt fish, bird bones, turtle bones, clamshells, suggested the castaway had survived there for a matter of weeks, maybe even a couple months. Mm. Now, what would a castaway still have on them or with them that would identify the individual? I mean, if you're a castaway on a desert island and you it's not like you keep your purse yeah and she probably didn't have a credit card with her no yeah <laughs> so we, mm. we already had lots of circumstantial evidence what we needed was something conclusive so after talking about it nobody was lobbying for another assault on the seventh site especially anybody who'd been there already. anybody who had been there <laughs> been through that yeah um. now our senior archaeologist wanted to spend more time surveying the abandoned Gilberty's village up at the other end of the island. Uh -huh. Now, he argued that there might be aircraft parts we had missed in our earlier searches of the village. 
but he also felt it was important to archaeologically document the village because that settlement on Nicomororo was, in fact, the last colonial expansion of the British Empire. Oh. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, really. Well, I... Um, sort of off your script, but... Hmm? I said it's sort of off your area of interest. Well, but... you know, that's what I felt. I thought, well, okay, one, we've already searched the village, and we found several scraps of aircraft aluminum left over from the villagers' use of salvaged aluminum to make eh, fishing lures and combs and right. that sort of thing. And some of those pieces are definitely from World War II aircraft. A few of them might be from the Electra, but there was no way to be sure. Hmm. Now, the piece of airplane debris we had found that might be provable as coming from the Electra was the large section of, of aircraft skin aluminum that huh. we'd found in 1991. But that had been washed up by a storm. That wasn't back in the village. Oh, huh. So spending time looking for more unidentifiable scraps in the village didn't make any sense to me. Hmm. Plus, while archaeological documentation of the British colonial history might be an admirable thing, it's not our knitting. <laughs> yeah. we, we should stay focused on testing our hypothesis. Hmm. All right. So another board member comes forward and he said, we should search for what he called Camp Zero. Now, this would be Earhart and Noonan's initial camp on the Northwest Beach before the airplane was washed into the ocean. His logic went like this. Nearly all of the post-loss radio distress calls were heard at night. Now, radio propagation is best at night. But it would also be unbearably hot aboard the airplane during the day, so they probably went ashore during the day to rest in the shade and search for water and food. Hmm. And they would probably bring with them useful items from the airplane, bring those ashore. And those might still be there if we can find that initial campsite. Interesting. Uh, all we need to do is find something on that island in its original location that can be confirmed as coming from the Electra and we're home free. Okay. Right. Well, I thought, well, we don't know for sure that they came ashore during the day, but it certainly seems possible. And it's also possible that they established some kind of camp and that they brought stuff ashore. But we also know that that end of the island gets clobbered by storms. Hmm. And we searched that shoreline in 1995, uh, great effort, and didn't find anything. But I couldn't think of a better place to search. I mean, we, we've kind of beaten that island to death. The thing that annoyed me most about the Camp, the camp Zero theory was the name. <laughs> Who numbers things starting from zero? I mean, if there was such it's camp, not it, very should, optimistic. it should be Camp One. Come on. Anyway. Did they agree with that? Well, nobody wanted to hear my... <laughs> yeah, we're going to be there. Uh, we're going to search somewhere. All right. Let's 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 look for Camp Zero. <laughs> <sighs> hmm. Well, okay. Our senior archaeologist was not happy. Hmm. He was against spending time searching for the airplane at all. Oh. Uh, no, he, he thought we should concentrate all our efforts on searching the island. Even given the evidence from... Yeah, he, 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 no, 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 you, because it's, it's too expensive and it's too risky. 
uh, you might not find it. And if we look on the, we found things on the island before, we can find more things on the island, and that's what we should do. Well, I, I thought that was why you were going back, <laughs> because you had this evidence yeah. that you wanted to search. But, and he was against that. He, oh. he, doesn't, he didn't like the plan. Huh. He, he didn't agree with the way we're moving forward on this. Oh, interesting. So he decided he was going to organize his own expedition. Oh. I mean, okay. <laughs> really? Oh, I can't stop you from doing that. But he was putting together his own expedition on totally different principles than the way Tiger had operated in the, in the past. Okay, hmm. so from the very start, of this project, I had taken a somewhat military approach to mounting an expedition. You select a team based on the qualifications of the people and their dedication to the mission, regardless of their ability to help cover the cost. Money shouldn't enter into it. It's my job to raise the money to provide the tools that we need and the tools being the right people. Hmm. So most team members... Once they've qualified, they get a free ride. We pay their airline fare. We pay, all they need to do is donate their time. Hmm. Okay. And if they have the expertise you need, that makes complete sense. Well, and that's another thing. I, I learned from experience that, you know, very little analysis goes on in the field. You, you don't need a lot of uh, specific expertise in the field with a, f- a few exceptions. For example... Our, um, when we were talking about excavating a, a grave and looking at bones, oh, yes. I need a bone specialist. You know, and so we had Dr. Carr Burns with us right. whenever we were going to do that. An osteologist, you know, that kind of thing is what right. you, you need. You need a specialist there. Well, and your divers. You'd... Well, and your divers right. have to be qualified divers. But mostly, I need good soldiers, <laughs> people who are bright, tough team players. We strive for consensus, but there has to be a leader who makes the final decision. Nico can be a dangerous place, and there are times when there's just no time for debate. Something needs to happen now, and people need to say, okay, I'll go do that, or no, I won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hopefully, they're not, they're answering the leader with a yes. I can give you an example. We were looking at an area where it looked promising and people were anticipating we were gonna find something very soon. But the time was getting late, it was getting dark and the sea was starting to kick up and the landing channel was getting more and more dangerous. And there's this great tension it looks like something very interesting is about to happen. Oh, gosh. But we need to get out of here. <laughs> or something know. very interesting. Or something <laughs> bad is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But we had more people than we could take in one load oh, gosh. in the skiff. So it was apparent to me, we need to start getting people out of here right now. And nobody wanted to be in the first boat out because, oh, no. you know, maybe... If we stayed for the second boat, we'll be there when the interesting thing happens. How long would it take? Like, how long was one round trip? Depending a little bit on how far off the boat is. Oh, right. But it can be close to an hour. Oh, gosh. So. You know, I have to be able to say, 
You, 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 and you, first boat. Now. You, now, <laughs> go, and we'll be long later. You don't want to, no, no, I want to stay. for the, <laughs> you, you just can't have that. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that, that happens, we'll have a team meeting in the evening. We review what we did today mm-hmm. and talk about what we're going to do tomorrow. And everybody's got ideas. Well, I think we should go search over here. And I think we should go search over here. And I think we ought to start doing this this way. And I think we ought to do this way. And you talk about it and you talk about it. But in the end, somebody has to say, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Right. And then the people have to say, Okay, that's how we'll do it. Had that been a problem before? <clears throat> I mean, had oh had yeah, been, oh god, was that an ongoing yeah. thing? It, it, see, what had happened before is where there were disagreements about how to proceed with the investigation. Somebody who was a proponent of one idea mm-hmm. would start collecting a little group. We we want to do it this way, oh. and there's a bunch of people of us and. And so you develop these factions, oh. and that's terrible yeah. when that happens. I don't know how, how um, would you avoid that? There are times when you simply take a vote. Mind. The problem with that approach is that not all the people who are voting have all the information right. needed and right. all the that experiences. This is, this is not amateur hour. Yeah, you, right? you really need to have all the background information and, and the experience. And so... In the end, we talk about it, we talk about it, and then I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Another thing that happens, people get excited out there. They're very dedicated, and they're all brave people, or they wouldn't be there. Right. And sometimes they get carried away. They want to do more than they should do. They, they push too hard. Well, we had a terrible time on the first expedition where... The divers wanted to go deeper than we had oh, previously. Oh, I remember, remember that. that. Yes. We, we had decided we're not going to go deeper than 90 feet because we don't have a chamber. We, we don't have any way to deal. Or access with, to anything fast. No. Uh, right. No way to deal with the bends, anything like that. And they did it anyway. And you didn't really find out until I later when you were know. reading the... Yeah. No, I didn't even yeah, know until I reviewed their dive logs afterward. Wow. And I was horrified mm. by what they were so, yeah, if you're going to run an expedition, there has to be discipline, there has to be a leader. If you're going to get anything done, bring people home in one piece. While I was assembling a team for this expedition and trying to raise money, mm-hmm. our senior archaeologist was independently putting together his own expedition based on his own very different way of doing things. Oh, Instead of a small ship and a small 15-person, carefully selected team, he cut a deal with a company that did tourist cruises. Oh, my. The plan was that they would charter a large 100-passenger cruise ship, and then anyone who could come up with a $10,000 ticket price could come along and spend five days at Nicomororo looking for Amelia Earhart under the archaeologist's supervision. Oh, wow. And the way they had it planned, their stay at Niku would overlap with the last few days of the Tiger Expedition. Oh, really? I was horrified. 
I, I, I really didn't like the idea. I, I can see gangs of untrained, undisciplined tourists wandering around on the island. They're not going to accomplish anything meaningful. And he'd be lucky to just get people on and off the island without hurting somebody. Let alone trying to manage what they're doing on the island. Well, yeah. And there's also the, the, the fact that this tourist cruise thing was going to hurt our fundraising. Hmm. How many wealthy Earhart fans would have made a contribution to our expedition if they didn't have an option of dropping $10,000 for a visit to Nikko? So that is interesting. It just didn't make any sense to have the... They're both going to be Tiger Expeditions because the senior archaeologist is on our board of directors. And so what he does something... Uh, he does it under tiger auspices. So we got two tiger expeditions, very different. One organized along conventional lines that we'd always done, mm-hmm. led by me. And another one led by him with a totally different set of rules about wow. how they were going to do things. But there's nothing I could do about it. I, I, there was nothing, no way I could stop him. So he made his pitch to Tiger members. and, and Did course, any of them go? Oh, yeah. It, people that were very enthusiastic about the Earhart Project and had always wanted to be on a team. Oh. And some of them had been to field schools, oh, which is right. what you're supposed to do to qualify. Oh. And I had said, no way. (laughs) I had already decided that I didn't want them on a team. But here's, they don't have to have Gillespie's permission now. All they got to do is pay their way and there they go. So there we were. (laughs) Actually, one of the other board members signed on with with him and and his wife. And they're going to go along. So, all right. That's the way it's going to go. There's nothing I can do about it. And it did hurt our fundraising. As we came down to the wire for our June 6th departure of the 2015 expedition, our funding was short. We had enough to cover the Naya Charter, and I could get all all of our people to Fiji. I had the airfares and stuff. We had contracted with this underwater search company whose ROV could go to 1,000 feet feet. Uh-huh. So we want to investigate this suspected electric target that's at 613 feet. He could go to a thousand feet. That's good. Yeah. But you always want a backup with any technology you take to Niku. Because yeah. we know that Niku eats technology. <laughs> it just, he wanted to bring a second ROV and we wanted him to bring a second ROV. But a second ROV... Even though he still owns it, you've still got to ship it. And right. shipping an ROV is, is no small thing. Wow. And, and all the spares and equipment needed for it. Meanwhile, the airline fares had gone up, oh. and we hadn't expected that. Hmm. And there was $70,000 that had to happen if we were going to have a backup ROV and ship everything to, to Fiji. We just couldn't find it. It wasn't there. I didn't like it, but it was either go without the backup or postpone the whole trip. And if you do that, you're going to pay a huge penalty for canceling the charter. Oh, right. The ship charter. And all these airline tickets are non-refundable. So that really wasn't an option. Hmm. 
Now, this whole thing felt like our last shot at finding the Electra. Yeah, we'd gone out there in 2010 with a small ROV. Right. And we looked, and we didn't find anything, mm. despite our uh, millionaire sponsor later deciding oh, that gosh. we did find <laughs> Lots of things, and then we had the, the whole paper. lawsuit thing going on. <laughs> and then we went back in 2012 with an extravaganza of technology yes, and an really. AUV and a huge ROV, hmm. $2 million, and we hadn't found anything. Ah. So we're now three times? Is three times the charm? Are we going to go out there with an ROV this time? And, and we did have a target. This thing? We've got a target yeah. to check out that looks good, but there are no guarantees, never are. Hmm. So this was a huge gamble. And, uh, and and we were going without the backup that we knew we should have. Yeah. Ooh. But you do what you have to do. And next time we'll talk about how that went. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I hear the exasperation in your voice. <laughs> yeah, I can laugh now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you might as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Okay, great. Thanks, Thanks. Rick. Thanks for listening. The Earhart Expeditions is a serial history of Tiger's 12 expeditions to the South Pacific. We release a new episode each Tuesday. You can receive special bonus episodes and get access to Tiger's extensive video library by becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search on Tiger, T-I-G-H-A-R. You can also be a part of the adventure and participate in research. Go to tiger.org and click on Join Tiger. See you next Tuesday.